Hello and welcome to another edition of Gold with Zen. Today we're going to be talking about the aftermath of Iran's match versus Oman that happened. Oman is currently with Iran leveled on 8 points in Group D with um, Guam sitting in 3rd place. And today we're joined by Bobak Goldriz and C9 Summon, two regular panelists that you've heard throughout the show. Um, how are you guys doing today? Great pleasure. I'm really to speak to you guys. Yeah. Good uh, guys, back. good to be here again. Yeah. So before even I want to jump into the game, I want to get your thoughts on the starting 11. It seems to me that, you know, he doesn't change much. Carlos Cage doesn't change much in lineup. And before even we started the match, we could have all guessed maybe 9 out of 11 of those players. And the first question I have watching this match and seeing how atrocious we were, do you think it's time for him that he's becoming too predictable of what he's doing? Or is it just the idea that he needs to bring some new players in to just switch up the lineup, you know, bring new tactics in? Because we were pretty dull. It seemed like Oman already knew what we were doing. Um, what are your thoughts on the lineup, Bobak? I'm not sure about the predictability part because there's a couple of new players on the team. Taremi, he's, he's broken through in the last few months. And then you have Omid Ibrahimi, who's also established himself as Nekunam's uh, heir, let's say, at least in the short term. Um, Gafuri was new in the last few months as well. And then you have Amiri, who seems to be the favorite choice on the left side. So in terms of lineup, he is not afraid to make changes. But in terms of the dynamic in this game, I felt that uh, as much as we were poor, uh, I think Oman caught us off guard. And... Uh, we didn't expect the start they had. They were really out. Uh, they came out of the blocks uh, firing in the first 15 minutes, and they had us on the back foot. They could have easily gone ahead right in the first couple of minutes. And uh, I don't know. It's not as much tactics, but uh, it could have caught us off guard. The night uh, I was at the stadium, and it was very humid, uh, far more than usual. Uh, and the weather may not have helped, but uh, it shouldn't be an excuse either. So... I think it's a number of factors, but uh, lineup-wise, we've been introducing players recently. Torabi came on as well, so Kaveresa came on. So it's not that he's not freshening the lineups. Sina, um, I kind of disagree with Bobak. I think there is an element of uh, predictability to the team. Um, after the draw we had against Turkmenistan in our first game, one of the first things Kairos moaned about was uh, lack of experience in the team. So I'm not surprised that he keeps coming with the same 11 in every game. Um, of course, as, as Bob had mentioned, Tarami is probably the only one who's broken the team. Whereas Ebrahimi, I think he was more or less a force changed after, after um, Nekunam's retirement. And uh, with no other options available in terms of a deep playmaker, playmaker as such, he only leaves Ebrahimi for that spot in the team. So, yeah, I think... I personally want to see a lot more young players involved. Mm. I don't mind drawing against Oman or Turkmenistan or teams like this. As long as some of our younger players are getting involved. 
of course, cover is I came on as well, but uh, I mean, the last four or five minutes, I don't think we're going to make much of a difference. So, yeah, um, I thought tactically, again, we were similar. Um, poor Ali Ganji for me should have started uh, the game in, the, in that back four, I think. After his performances in the Asian Cup and the uh, friendlies we played uh, in March as well, um, I think it was time for him to start regularly in, in the team and uh, really be a part of this World Cup qualifiers because I think if we are to qualify for the 2018 World Cup, um, we wouldn't be starting with Montez and Hosseini. So, Purali Ganji will definitely have to be there. So, I don't see why he shouldn't be starting these games alongside uh, one of the two. But for the rest of the team, I thought, again, maybe he was our strongest team, uh, but I thought we I was certainly really disappointed with the performance individually and collectively as well. You know, some one of the weak spots that they exploited definitely was something that Bobek and yourself would keep talking about. It was Gafuri's, you know, on the right-hand side. You know, as we know, he's a really prolific, you know, right-back as opposed to he's a really attacking tread, but, but he gets caught out too easily and he wasn't up to his game. My question to you guys is, do you guys think that, you know, is it time for Honesty for him to switch it up and bring Honesty Rezaian, for example, in the right back spot instead of always being Khosrow Heideri or Gafuri? And because, as we all saw, as soon as he was exploited, it, it just hurt the defensive line with Montaz, Eri Hosseini, and Esson Safi. Do you think it's viable these days to even put sometimes maybe Pejuan Montazeri as a right back as we saw in Brazil with Mortis and Jalo Hosseini in center back and left back Esson Safi? What are your thoughts on this? Because it seems like now that's been a weak spot that has been exploited. Um, I'm going to come off to you again, Sina. Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, as a country, we have uh, a tendency to produce attacking fullbacks, and um, Afuri certainly fits into that category. Reza, for me, is very similar as well. I'm not sure about his defensive abilities. But, um, yeah, Afuri had a poor game, but I thought he was helped by the fact that... Um, the player who was playing on the right, whether that was Ptolemy or Dejaga, didn't really help him in the game, in, in their defensive duties. I thought at times he was outnumbered defensively. He had too many players to deal with, and sometimes he did make the wrong decision. But uh, for me, Rafuri is still the best right-back that we have. Um, so in, in that sense, I wouldn't really change anything. Reza Yan is a great player. He's absolutely fantastic. But again... Um, He's not a defensive-minded mm -hmm. uh, fullback, and I think that is one of the reasons why Montezuma did play right back for us in uh, in the World Cup was because we don't usually produce defensive-minded fullbacks, and uh, someone like Pouladi is very rare. Someone who who who's more responsible as a defender than uh, an attacking um, left back or a fullback in general. Barback. I think that both fullback positions are a problem for us, but for different reasons. Hajsafi is not a left-back for me, and even if you could give him cover on the left wing, I think he's going to suffer against better wingers. But on the right side, Kafuri, I think he's far more able to play on that uh, side. The problem that we had on uh, 
Thursday night was that uh, Dejaga, who looked like he was starting on the right wing, and Taremi, who may have been as well, because I had a discussion with Cena earlier. He was thinking it's Taremi. I during the game I saw Dejaga was closer to the wing, and uh, they didn't seem to know what they're doing. Ashkan looks very unfit. Uh, he looked up for the game, but uh, physically he looks way be- below his uh, optimum peak condition. And Taremi, I didn't even see him making anything of note until that late tackle in the second half. So I really don't think Gafuri had support. However, uh, regardless of that, he was diving in at times, maybe out of the fact that he had to make a last-ditch tackle, and uh, he was outnumbered 2-1. to And most of their attacks for Oman were coming down the right side, and they seemed to have pinpointed it from the beginning. Uh, It was one of their major, uh, let's say, strategies throughout the match, and we didn't have... A response for that. I, I, ten minutes before halftime, I saw poor Ali Ganji warming up. I was certain he's going to come on, come on at halftime, probably in, spa, uh, in the place of Bafuri and uh, push Montezé to the right, but he never did, uh, surprisingly. And it continued in the second half to a lesser extent. So I think both fullback positions, like Sina said, we're producing attacking fullbacks. And uh, I think it's a tactical issue on the right side but more of a personnel issue on the left side and we're going to have this uh, we're going to have this dilemma going forward into the next round you know the next stopping point Sorry, Pastor, just, yeah. just go ahead to, uh, make your point what Bobak said about Hoj Safi which is which I 100% agree with but it comes back to the thing that I said earlier which is I want to see more players getting involved I'd rather yeah. see a young left back gain a chance uh, and starting the game in one of these big games rather than yeah. coming off the bench Hoj Safi yeah. out of our position so yeah I think uh, for these positions that's you know we we don't have anyone basically um, pinning it down I think uh, Cairo should give several players a chance to, to see how they play uh, in the national team I mean, one of the uh, Mohammadi brothers is is a left back, and uh, he has played for the national team before. I think he made his debut against Uzbekistan. Um, he played really well as well, so I don't see why he doesn't get uh, he doesn't start a game uh, in one of the World Cup qualifiers. See, my next question to you guys is is looking at this Tarami and Dejag and trying to work it out. Because watching the Guam match, I sometimes saw they interplayed. Sometimes you saw Ashkan in the number 10 role behind Sardar. Sometimes it was Tarami, then they switched flanks. Um, unfortunately, I didn't see if that was the same situation against India. But for me, against Oman, it seemed that it wasn't working. Now, for whatever reasons, I don't know why Tarami was on the wing. But um, what do you guys make out of this? Is this something that tactical and trying to, like, confuse the opposition that we're playing with to switch um, our players around because um, we there was no creativity whatsoever going with the front four. Um, Osman was trying to make the best out of him, but nobody was delivering to him. Amiri was not taking on players like he used to use his, his physicality. That was that was just non-existent. Um, what do you guys make out of this whole, you know, Ashkan is 10 or Tarami is on the wing, right wing, um, Cena? Well, I still think Tarami played on the right because... Um with Shojai not being involved, um, we always need that creative player in the middle, and I think uh, that was the role of Dejaga in this game. And Taremi has played down the uh, right hand side in previous games, so um, yeah, for me, Taremi was playing down the right, but he kept coming in the middle, and I thought the middle of the park was really populated, and uh, which is one of the reasons why Afuri wasn't as effective going forward. He was. Again, outnumbered when we when we did have the ball. Whenever he received the ball down the right, he 
uh, was immediately um, confronted by two Omani players uh, with no support because Ptolemy was going in the middle to help out uh, Osman in the box. But um, again, I thought Dejaga uh, was supposed to play the creative role in the game and uh, he didn't really do that. But again, I think individually everyone had a had a poor game uh, and collectively I didn't think uh, we played to our best. I think it was one of the uh, poorer performances on the, on the K-Rush and he, he admitted that after the game as well. He said, Oman, Oman were the better team and uh, we were lucky to get away with one point. He will be more than happy to to go back to Iran with a with a point. Bob back. Uh, the fact that me and Senior are disagreeing on where Dejaga and where Taremi played says a bit because I was at the stadium and definitely in the first half I saw Ashkan more inclined towards the right and Cena saw it in a different way and that says that things were not so clear either through uh, intent or through the way it turned out either way I, I don't think it was working Taremi right now he's in the team because he's looked quite uh, spirited and motivated in the last few games when he's come on or started Ashkan's in the team based bit on reputation. His physical condition isn't the best right now and uh, it's showing. He's not up to the levels that he showed in the past, uh, be it in the World Cup or even earlier where he was even better. And it is a Jahanbach's injury and his, uh, let's say, inability to have uh, to have had a good preseason and to really take it into the main season with AZ Alkmaar has counted against him as well. So there's a bit of a hole in there in that attacking midfielder position. Masoud Shadre is not figuring either. So it's a bit of a transitional period right now in the top end of the pitch and it's showing as our attacking play, even on the counter, is not as good as it has been in the past... Uh, let's say, past 12 to 18 months. So I think uh, we need to look at other options right now. Ashkan, I don't know if a move on Europe, move to Europe is something that are, could be on the cards in January or later, but he definitely needs to get his act together to justify being the starting lineup. So, you know, I want to keep it um, talking about Ashkan Dejaga because, you know, having Mr. Amir Hashemi Mogadam on our pod, former Iranian national team player and FC player for listeners that didn't know that, he was very critical of Ashkan Dejaga and he was saying that because, you know, he moved to um, an Arabian side after the World Cup, he's become less physique, he's less motivated, he doesn't have, you know, the motivation that he used to to break up plays, you know. Um, his physicality isn't there, his drive isn't there, you know, it's just, it's, everything is just lacking. And bringing that thing to the Iranian national team is just going to, you know, down, hinder other players as opposed to, you know, him and Gucci if they went overseas, you know, uh, to a bigger club. Um, what do you guys think about his comments on that? Is this something you guys agree with? Is this something you guys don't agree with, Bobak? Yeah, I definitely agree. To, uh, I agree with it. But at the same time, I, I look at Ashkan. I think he's what twenty eight now. He's looking at a big payday in Qatar. Can I blame him on a professional level? No. In terms of an ambition, uh, in terms of his ambition, I can definitely question it because he's good enough to be playing in Europe, and he definitely was at the end of the season with Fulham about uh, what fifteen months ago. So yes, it's affected him. But he's had a few injuries as well. Let's not forget. And we're playing against teams like Oman, UAE, etc. And they have all their players playing in the same region. So it's more of a, it's not necessarily that the standard of football is lower, but it's a mental thing where they're kind of switched off or they feel like they can get away with, uh, with offering
something lesser. Maybe it's a game against Oman and they feel like, you know what, a draw is enough or we can get through this game without playing our best and we'll go to the next round and then matches against Australia or Japan or South Korea, that's when our players are up for it. So there's a lot of different factors. And like Sina said, most of the players collectively had a poor game. So mm -hmm. uh, it's difficult to really like, I mean, single out someone like Ashkan right now because I could pick out pick out Oles and a number of other players on uh, on Thursday. The only one who looked really, really up for it was, uh, other than other than Hosseini probably and maybe Montezer, is Hariri, who's again looked solid to me, yes. He was partly to blame on the goal, but that cross should never have been allowed to to get to hit, get could get to the far post. But he made some saves. He looked uh, he looked aggressive in the box as well. Generally speaking, I think he's continued his if not a nine or ten out of ten performances, he's continued with a seven and a half to eight consistently throughout his reign as our number one goalkeeper. Sina? Yeah, I agree with everything Mr. Hoshini said, but look. It's, it's very naive to pinpoint just one player for dropping two points away from home. I think there's a lot of, a lot more elements involved in, in, in such a result. And I think, um, again, as I mentioned before, collectively, we were off, of course, Dejaga had a poor game, but again, you could point out any other player and you could easily make a case for them not being at their best. So it's very easy to just jump on the bandwagon and say, look, we, we dropped two points because Dejaga didn't play. But how about the goal we conceded? Kafuri should have closed down the play a lot sooner. That cross, as Bobak said, should have never come in. But the player had far too much space. And then once the ball is already in the box, a huge confusion, which, look, Hariri is a great shot stopper, but these are the things that I've criticised him before. A lot of indecisiveness in, in him. He, he do, he, he's unable to make a decision. He, could, he should have come out for the ball, punch it or whatever. He didn't. The defenders were confused. There's no communication in there, and we can see the goal. It's very similar to the goal we conceded against Turkmenistan, if you yeah. remember. But that goal was from the other side, from the left-hand side. So, look, obviously Dejaga wasn't at fault for the goal. It was the defenders plus the goalkeeper. So you could make a case for different parts of, uh, of the team, different players having a poor game and being at fault. But look, the, the, the point about Dejaga is absolutely right. He's, in terms of quality and, and, and pure talent, he's above any other player in the team. And he should be playing at a higher level. But again, um, when a team drops points, when they don't perform, you can't just blame on one player. Uh, who, who should have performed better, of course, but it's, it's, again, it's really easy to just uh, pinpoint one player and say he was to blame uh, for that performance. Before I move on and talk about substitutions, I want to look at um, Andromic Taimonia and Omida Ibrahimi. What have you guys seen about this partnership? Do you guys think this is going to be something long-term? Because uh, for some reason, I felt both of them were not up to their game. Um, it looked really shambolic. And then he brought in Mehdi Torabi to, you know, for the central midfield to, you know, strengthen it a little bit as opposed to just getting overrun with. What do you make out of that partnership, Bobak? Do you want to see somebody different instead of Omid? Um, what are your thoughts on it? Personally, I feel they're they're too similar a uh, player, or at least they're playing too similarly in terms of the roles they're playing for the national team. I think that uh, Ando is the uh, is the he's got that box to box mentality, but uh, he's the guy that will push and put pressure on the guy with the ball in the center of the field. But uh, Omid is playing a little bit deeper in terms of like distributing and recycling the ball, but I don't think that plays to his strength. He's more of a guy who gets stuck in as well, like Ando. So. 
for me, it's not an ideal uh, ideal partnership. Uh, again, I I can't really pinpoint that as the reason that we were outplayed. But uh, I would have liked to see Saeed, as I told you, playing a little bit more and getting experience in games, I guess, like this. I know he's not playing for Rostov right now, but it's this sort of game where he could play deep. He has space to distribute the ball, recycle the ball, get some experience in different stadiums. We, we, we can all accept that I think we should be qualifying from this group as first-place first, first place team, and uh, the real uh, challenge begins in the next round. So uh, we've got another four games, three of which are home. I would like to see Ezat Olay playing, and probably he's got he's got the technique. He's definitely got more technique than either uh, uh, Ando or Ibrahimi in terms of his vision, in terms of picking out the ball. I know he's young, but I, I would like to see him being given another chance uh, in that uh, in that position uh, in the sh in the near future. Sina. Yeah, I, listen, Ibrahimi is a play is a player who has been performing fantastically well for SLL in the uh, in the Iranian domestic domestic league. But I think one of the reasons why he's not producing those kind of performances for Team Ali is because his movement is limited due to the position that he's playing. He's got a lot more defensive duties in Iran than he does for SLL and that's why I don't think his creativity is, is really uh, shining through. Look, he's a player that, he's a playmaker, you know, to, to put it as simple as possible. He, he's a player who likes to, he scores goals, but he's a, he's a passer of the ball. But again, even even with that, I've not really seen it in Iran and, and as Babak said, the, uh, it's the combination of the two that isn't really working and with Andranik, look, Andranik is a player he plays with his stamina. He's a runner. He he, he makes the opposition hurry. But uh, he's hitting he's hitting 33, 32, 33 now. So he's getting into that age where obviously he won't be able. He doesn't have the legs that he used to maybe four or five years ago. So I think this entire formation tactic that Kairos plays also plays on Andranik. It also all depends on how Andranik plays. And I think that's a huge risk because. Once Andranik starts to, you know, lose his legs and uh, not perform as well as he used to, then I think Kairos' tactics will fall apart because uh, that's how I, that's how I've seen in the last few years. I think his entire uh, strategy depends on Andranik. So yeah, as as Bobak said, I think Ezatoloi needs to be given a chance. But also, if you just look through the squad, how many central midfielders are there apart from Andranik and Ibrahimi? It's only Ezatoloi yeah. and maybe Shojai. The rest are either wingers or strikers. So he doesn't. He's not really been taking any central midfielders with him. Ali Karimi was involved in the last squad, but he didn't really get a chance. I'd like to see him in there because he's naturally a defensive midfielder. Mm -hmm. He's he's a player who sits very deep, opens the game up. He controls the game from a deep position. So maybe he's an option. But again, these players have not really been given a chance. So as Bobak said, look, this at this stage of the World Cup qualifiers, we will qualify without an issue but in order not to hit any problems in the uh, in the bigger games in the next stage we need to start uh, testing some players testing new tactics in these in these four games and come up with a winning formula that can help us for the next three years next two or three years because look this team that we have right now there's no way this exact team will be starting in 2018 yeah. so we need to give we need to give younger players more of a chance and try new things.
Now let's talk about the substitution. Uh, uh, sorry, Pasha. Go ahead. I'd just like to say something. I mean, personally, I'm of the opinion that we need to move away from 4-2-3-1. We don't have a natural yeah. number 10 right now. We need to move towards a 4-3-3 where we have three central midfielders. It'll compensate for Ando's uh, age. And then it gives someone like Ebrahimi a, a position to play in a little bit more advanced where Sina says he can be more effective. And then it allows more of a competition between players like Dejaga, uh, <laughs> Taremi uh, Amiri for those two spaces, two two places on two spots on the on the wings because I feel like Ehsan uh, Hoysafi should be considered as one of the central midfielder three, one of the three in a triangle. One guy a little bit more advanced, but yeah. dropping back into the middle, it'll we're not as strong as we have been in the, in the middle of the park. I don't think we were that strong in the last few years, but we had Javod Nekunam, who's a legend, and again, Nekunam and Temurian as a partnership, and on an Asian level, they still stood out. But right now, we're a little bit lost there, and we're outnumbered, so it would allow us to turn the table, I mean, turn the problem into a potential solution by changing from a number 10 and getting a deeper player in a, in a triangle in the middle. Would you guys say that was sort of like his first substitution with Torabi coming in and the, putting Amiri out? You know, and um, the, that that could be other topic. But my other topic is um, something that I criticize Karish for is uh, he left the substitutions way too late. You know, especially seeing that how Oman was compact defensively. We needed like Amiri wasn't up to his game. He's he's been somebody that excites me. Um, he's been one of my favorite players watching, but he's been severely disappointing. Um, not using his, um, not taking on players like he used to. He just, he was just very clumsy against Oman. Do you guys think that he should have brought in more wingers, um, somebody that we need more pace and power to, you know, break down this team as opposed to leaving it so late? Um, and then, obviously, what are your thoughts on the whole bringing Torabi and Amir out? Is it something that you think, Bobak, that you just said, is it like a 4-2-1-3, we could say? I mean, 4-2-1-3 yeah, or 4-3-3, however you want to look at it. Um, and what are your thoughts on the substitutions overall? Uh, I think tactically... Uh Substitutions happened a little bit too late. I would have made it halftime sub for sure. Uh, but overall, I think in the second half for the first 10-15 minutes, I felt like we were trying to get back into the game. But the Omanis again went on the front foot. Uh, the tempo for us when Oman was sitting deep was a little bit slow. We were going from left to right, trying to find holes in their uh, in their defense. And we weren't really uh, successful. All our attacks came down the wings where we were managed to put in crosses. Uh, Torabi came on, he was inclined to play on, if I'm not mistaken, on the right side. He was closer to the right wing. But again, I didn't. I, I, I saw doubling up, which worked with Ashkan, Torabi, and then Gafuri as well was adding up. So we had three players coming on the right side. But uh, I'm not sure. I mean, we were a little bit lost. We were trying to find ways to go across them, but the tempo wasn't there overall. And we did bring in Omida. Uh, Alisha as well uh, on the other side, mm -hmm. but uh, again, even that didn't uh, wasn't met with uh, with success. So I'm not sure. I mean, it, it's easy to write, it's easy to speculate right now if we needed to bring in different wingers. But on the day, I felt we were just off. Too many things were not going right for us to say that one or two specific uh, changes may have made a difference. Sina. I think, um, <clears throat> excuse me. I think the um, the substitutions were the right one. I just think the timing was wrong. Uh, look, Oli Shaw is a player I've been banging on about for a very long time. A huge fan of him, and I think he's a player that really changes the game. He's a constant runner. He mm -hmm. he, he constantly runs the channel off the ball, 
uh, when we don't have the ball, he his work rate is incredible. And I think in the long term, I think he will be more of an option down the left than, than Amiri. And I think he should have come on a lot earlier because when you have a player who constantly makes movements, makes runs behind the defense, he automatically makes the players on the ball look up, look forward. You know, taking the ball quicker forward. You know, basically increases the tempo of the game. So I think he should have come on much earlier. And maybe I should have. I could have. Uh, been, I thought he should have brought on uh, Shojai as well. Uh, since we didn't really have a, a number 10 as such, I think uh, him coming on maybe would have changed the game. But again, as Bobak said, it's, it's easy to say, uh, you know, these ifs and buts, uh, you know, you could just constantly go on about it. But uh, yeah, I, I certainly think Ali Shah could, could have come on earlier as well as Kader Azai. I think that just as far as I remember, there was a cross from Gafuri which Sardor headed just over. And then there was another cross from Gafuri, which he should have cut back into the about uh, the penalty spot uh, where there was a player. I don't know if it was Torabi or Azmoun waiting for the cross, but he sent yeah, it over instead, and it missed everyone and went oh. over to the other wing. The, other than those two chances, um, maybe to, uh, a late run by Odisha or Torabi towards the box where they just couldn't make as much of it. I don't think we troubled their goalkeeper or really created anything. So despite the changes and despite all the possession that we had late into the game, I didn't think that we were able to have any sort of end product. I think that comes from a lack of creativity, which we've certainly been talking about in the last 12 months. Uh, a lack of real number 10 who who can really unlock the game when the game when the, when the opposition is really sitting back and observing pressure you, you really need that player who can pick a pass or take on a couple of players and, and unlock unlock the game so I think that's what we are really missing right now um, a lack of creativity especially at the latter, latter stages of the game when we really need a goal so yeah, we have a late newcomer, um, regular panelist Ali Reza Paycon. And Ali Reza, uh, could you give us your quick aftermath of your thoughts about the Iran versus Oman match? Hi, guys. Yeah, it was uh, not a good match uh, of our side. Uh, the lack of uh, the pace and uh, the creativity was, uh, it was, it was not, not that, I, that I was used to. Uh, I think... Uh, we need uh, some uh, new uh, creative guys. Uh, I think we need uh, John Bash back. Uh, I was. I'm not uh, happy with the performance of uh, Ashkan De Jaga. So, uh, but normally we should beat Oman. Uh, this is not uh, the the level of our uh, play. So we must normally we must beat them. So I, I don't think it was a good match. That's uh, that's my uh, opinion. And um, one last thing before we move on to the Iran versus Japan match. Well, um, what do you think it's because of Ashkan Dejas? Do you think it's because of his injury, because of his physique playing in the Arabian League? Um, what is it? I think it's uh, the second one. I think if uh, Ashkan has played in the, in the Bundesliga, he has played in Premier League, uh, in the youth, uh, youth uh, level of German national team. So I think uh, he's used to a certain uh, training level. And what I know of, 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 of also uh, one of my players who plays in Qatar is that they don't uh, have the pressure, the intensity of the, of the, of the training. So I think uh, if uh, Ashkan will play, uh, play there one, two years more, then it's finished. So I think uh, it's, it's, it's because of the, 
Qatar league that uh, now uh, they hit us with the national team. A lot of players are playing there, not good for the national team. So it's for me better to go, uh, for the players better to go to uh, the championship of England or something and train there on a serious level, but not in the Arabian competitions. Bob, like, I want to get your thoughts on Oman. Obviously, it's, it's, they have been extremely doing well against Iran. Um, we Last time we played, with, I believe, was 2009 when they beat us 3-1, which was a whole different Iranian side, especially when, you know, Merhdar Oladi was still a part of the squad back then. Um, is this a new Omani side that you've seen? And um, how far do you think they'll go? Because, I mean, Iran and Oman are favorites to advance to the next stage. But um, what are your thoughts on them overall? And how have you seen them, especially with the new number 10 and 11 they have, which show it really ex- um, explosive? So um, what are your thoughts? I think that... Uh... Historically, Oman has been one of the countries in the Gulf which plays the better brand of football. They're not the kind of team that wastes time. They like to play attacking football. They don't have much resources or facilities, which is uh, contrary to many of the other countries like the UAE, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait. They don't have real uh, good training facilities. Uh, Most of the players were brought up playing beach football. so they have a very good high tempo style of game. They've got one of the best managers in the Middle East, uh, in the whole of Asian football, Paul De Guen. He's been there for a long time. A lot of their number, uh, let's say, star players are way past their best or don't play for the national team anymore. Uh, Ali Al Habsi in goal, he's way past his best, but uh, and he wasn't even tested against us, but he's still there because he's got the biggest uh, personality. Imad Al-Hosni is their number, I think, 20 he was wearing. He played about 60-something minutes before he went off injured. He's passed his best, but at his peak, he was good enough to get into our starting lineup, in my opinion. Injuries have really hit him. They had a number 10 previously, Fauzi Bashir, but he's retired from the national team. So they had a lot of new players playing, which I hadn't really seen before. Uh, number 10 and 11, they were very dynamic and very quick, and they're comp- combining very well and uh, they're causing us all sorts of trouble especially down the middle and and uh, our right side as well so i think that oman should qualify for the next round although i wouldn't be surprised if they miss out at the end one of the major problems is that fitness levels kind of uh, drop uh, in the last 20 minutes and this has always been one of their problems uh, mentally and physically to close out games they haven't been able to do so in recent history but if they do make it to the next round, I don't think that they're going to cause much trouble. So uh, this sort of result at home is probably the best they can do in terms of uh, playing against the big sides. Appreciate your thoughts on the Oman guy match, guys. Um, the next thing I want to discuss about quickly to wrap this pod up is Iran versus Japan, which that will be extremely exciting knowing that it's been a while we haven't played Japan and it's going to be in our home stadium in Azadi. I'm going to come off to you, Sina. Um, what are you most looking forward to? What do you think needs to be changed? Um, where do you see Japan um, exploiting us? Um, and what are your overall thoughts on the whole match? Well, I mean, uh, these big games are always exciting, even if it's just a friendly. I think yeah. uh, we will see two of the uh, giants of Asian football going head-to-head. Uh, but I think there is a lot in it for us. There's a lot more in it for us than it is for Japan. Um, I think it will. it's an early test to see how we fare against the big sides before going to the f- further stage in the World Cup qualifiers where the big games uh, will happen. So it's a good test for us. But at the same time, I think K-Rush should um, test 
a few a couple of new players, uh, maybe a, a different tactic, just to see how how we get on. At the end of the day, it's a friendly. Uh, win or lose doesn't really matter. Doesn't really make a difference. But it's all about how uh, you know learning new things about the team, about the players. I think uh, someone like Ezatullahi or Omid Ali Shah, you know, these players for me should be starting uh, because uh, they're the future at the end of it. I mean, uh, the likes of Montazeri or Andranik or Wahida Hamidi, you know, these players won't be there in three years' time, as I already mentioned. So uh, I think younger players need to start getting the experience of playing in big games against better opposition, a team who, who is made out of players playing in the top leagues in Europe. So, again, I think it'll be a good test, but uh, I want to see our younger players um, uh, starting and gain a real chance of, of uh, playing against uh, a top side. Ali Reza? Uh, I think it's, uh, Japan is, is going to be very difficult because, uh, like Sina says, they are all playing in the Europe uh, top teams. And um, the physical, the pace uh, of the game uh, in Japan sides much higher than uh, Iran. But on the other side, uh, we can play our, uh, our favorite uh, style of football as, uh, and the counter-attack. That's also, in my opinion, also uh, depends on uh, how many uh, uh, people come to the stadium because they can help uh, the national team a lot, especially against Japan. And uh, I think if, uh, if we can uh, counter-attack, uh, we can, we can Maximum take a draw on, on the game if uh, Japan takes the, the match seriously because I don't think uh, we are uh, strong enough, uh, stable enough to win of this big team. Interesting. Barbeck? I think both guys make good points. Uh, Ali Reza's point was something I was going to say, that it's, playing against Japan allows us to play our favorite uh, or natural type of football, which is counter-attacking football. Um, Sina wants to see some new players, so would I. I would like to see a few changes, well, whilst at the same time keeping a few of these players, like uh, Sardar Osmoun should definitely be playing. I would like to see Ibrahimi at this level to see if he can actually hack it against a team like Japan. Hoi uh, Safi, I would prefer to see him in midfield, but it would be a good test to see him left back against the Japanese winger. Uh, I would like to see Ezatollahi. I would like to see a few changes. Uh, someone like Ashkan, I'm not sure if he's uh, justified starting right now. But uh, at the same time, I think it's very possible that we can get a result against Japan on our day on one occasion, we can beat any side in Asia. That doesn't mean we're better than them. I genuinely believe that we are possibly the third, if not fourth strongest team in Asia, despite the rankings. Because the, the rankings for me are a bit misleading. If mm -hmm. we play Japan 10 times, I'm pretty sure that they're going to beat us at least five, if not six times. But on our day, we can beat them. It doesn't mean much. Uh, that day needs to come at the right moment. So uh, it could happen. Uh, it could happen in the Oswaldi Stadium. But uh, the result is the last thing that I'm really interested in. I would like to see how we handle the pressure and what kind of tactics he puts out, uh, how the young players, uh, uh, let's say, uh, fit in and perform in a game like this. So a lot of questions to be answered. Japan had a lot of reporters and scouts at the game between Iran and Oman. So they are doing what is necessary. Do we do the same thing when it comes to playing opposition? I'm not so sure. So this preparation is going to count uh, down the line, a year down the line when the second round of the World Cup qualifiers gets into full swing. Yeah. 
Well, I appreciate you guys coming up for giving your thoughts and opinions. Um, once again, whoever's listening to this, please subscribe to us on iTunes. Um, Ayers of Paycon doesn't have Twitter, but his information is on the iTunes bio. You can find Bob at Godry's on Twitter. His information is on there. And for Cena, once again, uh, thank you guys for coming on. And it was always a great pleasure speaking to you guys about the reigning national team. It's been a pleasure, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Pasha.